0: I'm Lauren, and I'm a veterinarian.
1: I'm JJ, and I'm a veterinary
0: technician. And you're listening to IntroVets, a veterinary podcast by introverts with high-functioning anxiety. Today, we have a submission for the advice column. Those are fun. They are fun. And sometimes the upsetting. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to read this email and I'm going to try to take out anything that would be identifying. So here we go. Dear introverts, I am a veterinarian. I do not own the clinic that I work at. We have a large staff, including many veterinarians and many licensed veterinary technicians. Our clinic often communicates through a single ongoing thread using a social media app. A short time ago, I treated a patient for a serious condition. The patient improved and was released and is back to normal now. However, following treatment of this patient, a message was posted to the general ongoing thread on the social media app saying that clinic policy was going to change and that certain procedures and treatments that I had used in this particular case were no longer going to be accepted at the clinic anymore. While I was not singled out in the message because this type of condition doesn't present very often, it was clear to everyone who the message was directed at. I felt embarrassed and shamed by this message and I don't know how to respond to it. Additionally, I also have a fundamental disagreement about whether this type of treatment could be considered unnecessary or harmful. I would treat the patient the same way again if I had to do it over. Mm. I don't think that, Handling it on a social media app is the best idea. But I also need to talk to the medical director about this type of case because I fundamentally disagree that this was a wrong thing to do. Please help.
1: Hmm. Wow. I agree that that was not exactly handled most appropriately.
0: Yeah. So, you know, I, I think that we really are dealing with two separate things here. Mm hmm. Thing number one is that we're having like a major policy change instituted. Well, a major policy change about medical care instituted in a too casual of an atmosphere. Like a social media app is not the greatest way to handle that. So we got that that number one. And then almost a completely separate thing is whether the specific treatment that's not going to be allowed anymore is appropriate that's almost like a completely separate issue yeah but it's going to be really difficult i think to navigate this because in this case they're so intertwined that it's going to be difficult not to kind of trip over the different issues so i would almost separate them completely into two different conversations
1: yeah, agreed. Probably should start with, was this an appropriate way to give this person this information? And I think we can both say no.
0: So I'm all for technology. Uh-huh. And I'm all for hospitals being on social media together, certainly. Yeah. But this... I suspect it would be easy to recognize that in this particular situation, a certain clinician is being singled out, even though no names are used.
1: Oh, yeah, it would definitely be obvious, even in a bigger clinic. I think it would be pretty obvious.
0: Especially, you know, they're saying this type of case doesn't present that often. So then everyone is going to know if you've got like a wacky thing, everyone is going to know, oh, this just came in, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, we know who dealt with it. We know the story because everybody knows when those zebra cases come in, like everything about the case, you Mm -hmm. know, so I think it's a bad look for the boss here to allow this to happen. Don't start with social media. like. I think there's a time and a place for everything and social media is super helpful if you're trying to get like quick information out and that sort of thing but this type of thing really needs to start in person. Yeah. So that's a problem. Really what needs to happen there is that the person in charge of making standard of care decisions for the hospital, aka the medical director, who whoever that is for the hospital really needs to sit down with the veterinarian in question and say, "Hey, I know that you saw this type of case recently. I know it's kind of a zebra thing. We don't see it a lot. Uh, First of all, high five, awesome job because the patient did well and was discharged home Mm -hmm. doing great right? Uh, yeah. So that's number one. Number two, there was this thing that I noticed that you did and I wanted to share with you some information about how that might be handled differently. Maybe there are updated recommendations now. Mm-hmm. And no matter how that conversation goes or whether the veterinarian who did the treatment agrees or not, it's going to go... <laughs> way better if they know about it in person rather than this blindsided sort of situation
1: and it should have been a one-on-one thing because i mean clinic gossip is a thing as as it is but i mean can you imagine if somebody you know you just get hit out of the blue with something like this i mean that would man
0: (laughs) i'm trying to place myself in the in the shoes of like You know, you have this kind of a weird case. Uh, If you don't see it very often, usually that means they're trickier to handle, but you make it, you get it through, you get the diagnosis, you get the pet recovered and discharged. And I would probably feel like pretty proud of that. Mm -hmm. And then to get this message sent out, I probably would have felt like I had a rug pulled out from under me, you know? Yeah. And then your legs chopped off, too. <laughs> <laughs> so specifically in the letter, this listener is mentioning, you know, that they felt shamed. And yeah. shame is really powerful. Um, you know, I <laughs> I do a lot of reading about mental health and things like that. And I think shame has been misunderstood for a long time, but it's really powerful. And so when people feel shamed about things, it kind of just makes them shut down. Mm-hmm. Shaming people, if you look at Brene Brown's research, you know, she would argue that shaming people is absolutely never justified because it's absolutely never helpful in any way, mm-hmm. like, ever. It actually does not inspire change in people. It just makes them withdraw and shut down. And so, mm-hmm. you know, what I'm imagining happening is not that the medical director or owner or whoever it was that that made this decision, i am I'm imagining... Not that they did this to purposefully be mean or spiteful or hateful or anything, but it was probably just not thought through very well. I think that they probably were maybe uh in a bad mindset maybe they're having a rough day and they were like uh we could be you know I don't want to have this uncomfortable conversation
1: that <laughs> should not happen
0: yeah no yeah I mean I, mm. <laughs> this is a conversation that we gotta have together mm-hmm. So, anyway, we we can speculate a lot. We don't have all of the details of this particular situation. And some of the details that they wrote in the email are not ones that we need to put on the podcast. Because I think it's too identifiable. So, we're going to have to keep it general. Okay. Yeah.
1: I mean, and at the end of the day, 100% of the details, I mean, while it might help you make a better decision on giving advice... It's not necessarily needed mm-hmm. because I mean, this was absolutely no matter how you slice it, the wrong way to handle it.
0: Yeah. You're absolutely right, JJ. I agree. It doesn't matter what the disease process was, what the treatment was. None of that matters actually. It actually doesn't even matter whether it was an okay treatment quote or an, a quote not okay treatment. Doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Step one is just like, whoa, timeout the communication in this hospital, we got to do a major overhaul on this before we we handle any other things. Just know whether or not you're in the right medically, you are super not in the right about (laughs) using the social media app.
1: Yeah. I don't know if we kind of made it clear earlier or not. The social media app, I don't know. I don't know what exactly social media app they were using, but there are apps that you can communicate on that are just involving the clinic personnel, which is way more people than were needed to know about this. And it's not like something that's like a major social media where everybody sees it that like likes the clinic, like clients and stuff like that. I mean, that doesn't make it any better. It's still bad, but it's yeah. within the clinic, but it's still not good.
0: Yeah, it, you're right. It was not like publicly on Facebook to everyone no they're they're talking about using an app like you know how you'll have like a running clinic snapchat together Mm -hmm. or like maybe the clinic has a private facebook group you know i mean i don't i I don't know the situation but it's that it's not we're not talking about um they broadcast it to clients we're talking about just within the clinic but even within the clinic that's not appropriate not nope not at all my thoughts are Anytime you're having to communicate a new clinic policy to someone who might be surprised by it or tends to treat cases differently than what you're asking, I think you need to start in person. I think you need to avoid any type of passive-aggressive language or shaming language. And that means even if it's not your intention. So, like... Mm -hmm. You can accidentally be passive-aggressive or seem passive-aggressive or use shaming language, even if you're not, like, meaning to. So you need to just be, like, cautious about how you present things and make sure that when you go to have this conversation that you're not rushed, you're not angry, like you've had food, like you're not hangry. (laughs) Like, it just needs to be, like, a time where everyone feels relaxed, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like, everything is cool, and now we have the conversation. Yeah, and don't involve other staff members until it's absolutely necessary. Uh
1: yeah, that's a big one because that yeah that happens a lot, and it's it's really tempting because you want to vent, especially mm-hmm. if you have another member of staff that you're you know consider a really good friend, and maybe you just yeah. want to bounce something off of them. You know, it if you're in that position of authority, you got to be careful with that.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. You know, everybody, I think, has certain people at the clinic that they sort of gravitate to and are better friends with. But if you're in a position of management, so if you're um, not just a regular staff vet and you're not just a regular employee, but you're the office manager or you're the veterinarian owner or you're a partner or, you know, you're the medical director, you're in some sort of authoritative or administrative role. That completely changes the way that you are allowed to interact with the staff, and it completely changes what's appropriate. So mm-hmm. it's not appropriate for the person who is the medical director and makes medical decisions to be gossiping with staff that's not management about this type of thing. Even if it's a venting thing, it's, yep. it's, you're still gossiping about it. And so if you need to balance ideas bounce ideas off of your office manager, off of maybe another veterinarian who doesn't work for the clinic and who you don't give any specifics to. You know, maybe you talk with your therapist about it. You know, there are plenty of ways to get feedback that don't involve kind of undermining a professional relationship there. Because I think it's going to be hard then for the staff member that you vent to, to really continue to take this other veterinarian as seriously as they normally would because they have this kind of, like the authority has been undermined to a certain degree. Mm -hmm. Like there's just, it promotes a lack of trust in their clinical decisions um, that we need to try to avoid.
1: 100%.
0: Yeah. JJ, you had a good point when we were talking earlier about how to tackle this, this type of letter. Um, You were saying like in the past, sometimes when you've, had to adapt to changes, you would have appreciated understanding the why behind it.
1: Yes. Um, it, it's it's something that I have run into in the past where if you want to implement medical changes or even if it's just like, I don't know, clinic personnel changes of um, protocol or anything like that, it's, it's, it is nice if you involve the staff when you're making those decisions. I understand that's not always going to be the case, but whenever it goes, it's time to lay those changes out. First, it's nice if you don't like drop it on everybody and just say, okay, it's starting today. Here you go. Um, that's very stressful and there's going to be lots of mistakes because. Not everybody is, you know, familiar with what they're supposed to be doing. So it kind of gets a little chaotic. But also, especially from something that's medical, I'm like, okay, instead of treating this particular disease in this way, we're going to do it this other way. It's really important that the entire medical staff has an idea as to why that is, because I mean, we're the one that's going to be doing a lot of client education. And if we don't know why, then it's going (laughs) to, things are going to unravel quickly because anytime you have changes like that, especially if it involves costing the client more money, they're going to want to know why. And yeah, we can look up things, but we don't know specifically why you decided to make this change. Like, was there a case that happened that made you decide? Did you go to system CE that made you decide? Can you provide us with some of the paperwork that made you decide that something that we can read that uh, gives us an gives us an idea of why we're we should be on this change too? And I mean, also if it's presented correctly, it's going to allow the staff to be sort of you know prideful for the clinic and just mm-hmm. kind of you know like, okay, wow, we're we're practicing some cutting edge medicine here. That not every clinic provides, so I'm I'm proud to present this to the clients and just let them know that hey, you don't get this anywhere. Yeah, you may spend a little bit extra money, but we're getting more information and we're getting we're doing uh, better better medicine for your pet. That's what's important, and it's not always about just trying to make extra money. But if it's presented incorrectly or not presented at all. That may be the overall impression that the staff has.
0: Yeah, sounds like you would be in favor of maybe holding like a mini staff CE or mm-hmm. like, um, you know, provide some sort of documentation about the why. And then I agree giving an appropriate transition period is super important, you know, depending on how truly urgent the situation is, mm-hmm. just letting the staff know and you know, giving them the opportunity to learn about it is important. And and I would say, why don't we use this as a learning opportunity for everyone? Why don't we meet with the veterinarian independently and say, hey, again, good job on that tough case. You know, I recently was reading XYZ, went to a CE article, have had this case before, blah, 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 whatever the situation is. I have some information that might be helpful to you in dealing with the situation in the future, I was uh, wondering if you'd be interested in knowing about that. And no veterinarian is going to be like, I super hate hearing information. They're all going to be like, yeah, man, what is it? And Mm -hmm. then, then from there, you can say, did you know that although XYZ maybe has been done in the past, has been done sometimes, used to be recommended, you know, whatever the case. What we're seeing now is this other thing is actually better, um, you know, and and hey, I did it a long time this other way. I super get it. But here are some of the things that we could run into. Now, um, since you have just dealt with this type of case, I was wondering if I could send you to this new C.E., I could recruit you to present a CE to the staff about it. I'd like Mm -hmm. for you to really focus on this particular topic, you know, and then why don't we use that as a learning opportunity? And then because I guarantee you the vast majority of vets, they're going to start reading about it and they might come to the same conclusion, you know, and then that, though, is a good jumping off point to say, if you truly, as the medical director, think, gosh, I you know, this is a deal breaker for me. Like, Mm -hmm. this is not a hotly debated topic. It's pretty well established that this thing is the best way to go and that this other thing is kind of risky. As the medical director, I want us to do the best thing. Then we need to establish that in a written policy. Mm -hmm. And I would, again, present it to the veterinarian and just say, hey, in conjunction with this, we are going to be updating our clinic standard procedures. Again, good job with the case. Having us deal with this case reminded me that I was remiss in not putting it in the standard of care uh, packet that I send out every year. And so now we have added it. Mm-hmm. There's so many ways that you can address this, make it a learning opportunity without turning it into some sort of like a power struggle or battle or shaming experience. Like, you know, yeah, if the veterinarian is like, I'm not doing CE for you or whatever. Well, then they kind of suck as an employee. (laughs) So, so, yeah. uh, If if you
1: you continue with that kind of shame and behavior, I can understand why they maybe wouldn't want to. (laughs) Right. But (laughs) If you start out the right way, you're probably going to be fine.
0: Right. And so let's just take a look at what that would look like. So instead of, On a social media app, everyone in the hospital getting a message about don't do XYZ anymore, exclamation point, when you know XYZ has just been done by this vet on this case. Like, that's a completely different feel. It's a bad feel. It's an icky feel. It's Mm -hmm. like a gossip-stirring feel. Yeah. Compare that to what it would be like if you were like, hey, since this person just handled this case, They're going to present a CE on it, and we've got a lot of information that's interesting and might help us. You know, we did a great job with this case, but everyone can always make improvements, and we've looked up some information, and lo and behold, we might change how we do things from now on with this, and I've appointed them because they did such a good job on this one. They're going to be in charge of it. And what if that information then came from the vet
1: Mm -hmm.
0: that treated them a different way originally? What sort of major difference in perception is that? Major. Like, instead of lowering the staff's trust in that veterinarian, now we've established them as the expert in the practice of what we're going to do. You know, we know that they're going to present the information the way that we want them to because we're going to work side by side with them through the whole process. You know, like Mm -hmm. (laughs) that is a great way to handle this The social media thing is a terrible way. Let's not do that anymore. (laughs) No, no. JJ, as far as the first half, the communication of the problem half, is there anything else that we've missed that you want to add? Not that I can think of. The only other thing that that I wrote down was communication between the medical director and the staff veterinarians needs to be clear, direct, and occur frequently. Mm -hmm. The same is true of the staff. But generally, you're going to want to talk with the vets first, then have a staff meeting about it, because the vets need to present a united front. If the veterinarians can't present a united front, then we need to dig into why is that? Mm -hmm. Is there a fundamental difference of opinion about how to treat cases, about the quality of care, about the standard of care? You know, what is the situation there? And getting that addressed before you present it to the rest of the staff Um, is going to squash a lot of drama and gossip and and all of those things that really impact staff morale and bring the culture down. Yes, and presenting that united front is,
1: especially when it comes to medical decisions, I mean, some are going to vary a little, but I know I've said this before, it's really hard on the medical support staff when if you have a patient that's been seen by two different veterinarians and they both have a totally different way of treating what's going on. That's just a recipe for disaster.
0: Well, and that brings us to kind of problem too. It's almost a completely unrelated problem. Mm-hmm. The next thing that we need to talk about is, okay, what was the transgression? How serious was it? You know, those sorts of things. And we really, you know, in this case can't be that specific, but mm-hmm. I would argue that it doesn't really matter Yeah, because no matter what, even if it's the worst, most terrible thing you can think of, social media is not the answer for how to handle it. Yeah. Uh, that's the problem. So, like, mm-hmm. let's not get distracted about who's in the right or who's in the wrong about the medical case. In this one, whoever handled the management on this,
1: <laughs> fail.
0: Mm, yeah. Management fail. Don't do this. There are some things that are like non negotiable in medicine and they might differ from practice to practice so if you're the medical director for i mean even if there are only two veterinarians there needs to be a medical director Mm -hmm. there needs to be some sort of consensus of opinion about how we're going to treat cases and that doesn't mean that you spell out every little tiny detail of how to treat a case but if it's important enough to make some huge clinic-wide proclamation that you're not going to do xyz anymore uh you need to write that down. Mm-hmm. That's, that's important. So if it's like a hotly debated topic, if you pulled 10 different veterinarians and you you would get 10 different answers, like that's maybe not a hill you want to die on. You know, <laughs> everyone's got pet peeves. I think that we need to make sure that we're not dealing with a pet peeve and that we're really dealing with a deal breaker. Okay. But if you have a deal breaker, you need to write it down. And you need to write it down in a document that is titled standard of care procedures for our hospital (laughs) and distribute that to the staff and the vets. Mm -hmm. And once you've done that, now you've established expectations. Now, if someone fails to meet those expectations, you have every right to intervene. I still don't think that that's going to need to be social media based intervention that still needs to be in person. But but we do need to correct that behavior. We also need to provide documentation about why whatever this particular practice uh, isn't considered the standard of care at your practice. Mm-hmm. So that might be uh, studies. It might be textbook chapters. It might be, I mean, some, you need some sort of information. So, like, it doesn't need to be like, well, I treated one dog with this thing one time five years ago and it didn't do well. So now no one's allowed to use it.
1: Uh, That is so freaking common and frustrating.
0: <laughs> yeah, like you... That happens so, a lot. <laughs> so there's a difference between pet peeves and deal breakers, okay? Like, Stop we,
1: petting my peeves.
0: <laughs> so anyway, I think that avoiding issuing specific orders about how to manage cases when there is a significant disagreement in the veterinary community about the subject is generally a good idea. Yeah, like, because you're not going to uh, be able to be like...
1: I have the documents to back this up because they'll bring the other half of the documents to back themselves up. And I'm like, you know, if yeah. if you want to pick one, great, but you need to make sure everybody's on board.
0: Yeah. If it's a hotly debated topic, then what we're dealing with is a preference,
1: mm-hmm.
0: not malpractice or something that's substandard care. Right. Yep. Yeah. Now, you're still allowed to make the rules, whatever rules you want. I mean, you're the medical director. You can do whatever you want. But I think you need to consider carefully whether whatever topic should be a deal breaker. Mm -hmm. If it's a deal breaker, put it in the standard of care procedures, send it out to the entire hospital after addressing with the veterinarian in person. Okay. So it needs to be veterinarian one-on-one. Then it needs to be meeting with all the vets. And during that meeting with all the vets, we need to make sure that we don't single this one person out as some sort of person who we're punishing, we need to single them out as someone who has brought to our attention that we need to establish the protocols and look what a good job they're doing. And and again, build up your employees. Don't tear them down. Build them up. And then, you know, you just can't expect everyone to treat cases exactly like you would. There's a yeah. spectrum of correct treatments. Sure, there are things that are deal breakers, but not everything is a deal breaker.
1: Mm-hmm. There's about five different ways you can tape an IV catheter in, but as long as that catheter oh, yeah. stays in and stays patent, whatever way you choose, it's fine.
0: Yeah, we should be good to go. As far as the listener goes, I think uh, that the answer lies in the thing that we talk about all the time, which is communication. Mm-hmm. So I think now that this has happened, you're going to have to go to the person In charge, I don't know, medical director, boss, you know, there's so many different structures that whoever the head person is and say, hey, I need to have a private conversation with you. So this happened. I felt fill in the blank. In this case, it was uh, shamed. Mm -hmm. I felt shamed and embarrassed in front of the entire clinic. I'm hoping that wasn't the intent. What I would like to do is, number one, talk about how these situations could be better handled in the future. And then separately, aside from that, number two, I actually disagree that the treatment that I engaged in was inappropriate. I've provided uh, several resources that back up my position. I want to have that conversation as well. Mm -hmm. But it needs to really be kind of two separate things because I think it's very easy to to have someone – not stick to the point of like please don't reprimand me on social media again in front of the entire clinic please Mm -hmm. come to me specifically you know if if they're going to reach out here and grab well what you did was wrong okay no i do want to address that i disagree with you about that but right now we're talking about how the information was addressed to the clinic and me and in my contention is that it was not Mm -hmm. in a respectful way so we need to address that first
1: yeah, especially something if you're dealing with a person who maybe didn't want to have that discussion to begin with and yeah. now it's even worse. Yeah. They may go into deflection mode and
0: Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: Gotta not allow that.
0: You'll have to decide, listener, based on the response to the, you know, the meeting that you call, do you want to keep this job? hmm Was this a one-off thing? Is it like a pattern of behavior? If it's a pattern of behavior. Mm, You know, is this the place that is really going to be the best for you long term? If you have very strong feelings about the rightness of what you did, but now it's not going to be allowed anymore, you know, how are we going to rectify that? Like, how does you presenting the information that backs up your position, does that change your boss's mind? Or are they the type of person who's just like, I've said it's going to be this way and by God, it's going to be this way. I mean, that might not (laughs) be the best place for you to stay. Yeah. Yeah. Dictatorship environment. Right. So communication, communication, communication is going to be potentially a, you know, an uncomfortable conversation. But it doesn't have to be a nasty one. Just go in and be very direct.
1: And if that doesn't work, dust off your resume.
0: That's right. I mean, hey, (laughs) everybody needs an associate right now. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah
1: associate and a licensed
0: tech. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to wrap up our episode for this week. If you have stories, questions, exciting announcements, hero animal stories, <laughs> or if you have questions or submissions for our advice column, please send them to introvetspodcast at com. And
1: check us out on social media or on
0: Facebook and Instagram. At introverts. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.